The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know that this podcast is presented by mybookie.ag and that if you use the promo code MATTEK, M-A-T-T-E-K, that you will get a 50% deposit bonus on your first deposit. And given that you are a listener to this podcast, I would assume you're relatively knowledgeable about sports and I would trust you to try your edge on the online sports book. You can lay down some money and get in on the action at one of the safest online sports books in the world. It's the only one that I am currently using. You can wager on all sorts of different outcomes on mybookie.ag, soccer, football, any major league, esports. You can even create your own player props, which is useful for me because if you know anything about me, I do enjoy uh, a good player prop. So if you deposit using the promo code MATTEK, M-A-T-T-E-K, you get a you get a 50% de- bonus when you deposit and i will add this for listeners of the take cast if you deposit using the promo code matic and you send proof of it to me on twitter i will follow you on twitter and you can have access to me via dms whenever you want that's the that's the take cast bonus that i'm adding in association with the mybookie.ag deposit bonus now let's get back to the show Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Take Cast. My name is Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. This week's episode is a continued exploration of an idea that I've kind of talked about with our last couple of guests. But the idea of being an entrepreneur in the 21st century is something that our guest Kevin McClelland knows a ton about. You guys probably know him from his work in the DFS space, but Kevin is actually truly a self-made man, uh, host of a podcast called Create Freedom that deals with a lot of these same topics. And I think this episode is really interesting in the sense of learning what it takes to be a self-made person, an entrepreneur, someone who creates uh, a living off of being on the internet in the year 2018. I think Kevin has a lot of really good and unique insight. I think if you are in a similar lane, you will find this episode very interesting. And if just if you only interact with people who are in this lane, I think you will find it interesting. Of course, you can always support the show by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. That's, of course, very helpful. Gets new people to the show. And if you really like the show and want more episodes, want specific breakdowns of showdown slates on DraftKings, DFS previews, and other extra episodes, you can support the show on Patreon. If you subscribe at a $5 a month level, you will get a minimum of four bonus episodes per month and likely much more content than that. Uh, so if you would like to do that, I would, of course, be eternally grateful. The Patreon, as uh, you know, it's making me really happy. And I think the people who are subscribed have enjoyed it as well. And after this quick ad, we will get into the show. Daily Roto is a mostly proud sponsor of the Tatecast, a mostly sports podcast. 
TakeCast listeners can save 10% at Daily Roto with the promo code Janis, J-A-N-I-S. If you are playing on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto will help you improve your daily fantasy results this fall and save time in the process with lineup optimizers, ownership projections, fantasy projections, premium content, and much more. They have all the good stuff that you want to help you make money at sports betting and daily fantasy. Their new lineup optimizer will let you build optimal GPP teams with stacks based on their projections faster than I can punt money off betting on Peter Uline. Sure, you can play the guys that I recommend each week, but shouldn't you also get advice from a proven daily fantasy winner like Drew Dinkmeyer? Yes, I do have better hair than Drew, but I also have his cell phone number, and that makes me a winner almost as much as it makes him a winner of the DraftKings Millionaire Maker. And it's not just fantasy. They have tools to bet on player props, golf matchups, and a customizable NFL game simulator for this fall. Save 10% with promo code Janice today. All right, everyone would like to welcome Kevin, the sports geek, onto uh, the Take Cast. He uh, has recently launched uh, his own podcast, Creating Freedom, which was what led me onto this show. Because, Kevin, I, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you've done many podcasts before you launched your own. Yeah, it's Create Freedom. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's actually my first podcast. And I don't even know, I think I've been on like one or two before, maybe. So, yeah, first podcast ever, pretty much. Which is, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive because what a lot of people in our industry do is they, they do the media thing first, right? They, they go podcasting first. A lot of people write articles. And that's uh, the big reason that I wanted to have you on the show today because it's, uh, you know, a lot of what we talk about on this podcast is creating content and kind of behind the scenes sort of stuff. And I think you have a really unique perspective because you are one of the most successful self-employed people in our world you know you have a lot of affiliate deals but and stuff like that but you don't belong to one website so I would I would kind of love for you to take the listeners through your journey to choose to be self-employed and kind of how you began and how you ended up here yeah so I'll start back in uh, university Um, I was 19 I was uh, playing some poker with friends for fun and that kind of got me to love uh, poker and I found online poker and I actually had a buddy of mine who was, uh, he was an affiliate for a poker site back in, I don't even know what that would be, like 2005. So he was an affiliate making money, um, referring players to this online poker site. And he kind of told me about it. And at the same time at university, I was learning how to build a website. Um, So I built a website based around poker and I was just kind of referring my friends over to partypoker.com. Yeah. Making some money that way, kind of refer a friend type deals. And um, that kind of got me started with like the entrepreneurship I learned how to build a website, then started doing some poker websites, um, started reinvesting money back into those websites, doing advertising and that kind of stuff. Um, ended up making some pretty good money with those sites, but I kind of lost interest um, with the online poker a little bit after doing it for a couple of years. Right. So I started a sports site and that was only, um, I can't remember, a couple months old at the time, but I decided to sell my poker sites and just go full into the sports betting stuff. So I went into sports betting. Um, sold my poker sites for some good money. Um, was happy that I kind of got out of it at a good time. Um, started doing the sports geek and did that for, I don't even know what it would have been, maybe like at least I'd say 10 years or something, eight or nine years maybe. And did the sports geek, um, built that up pretty big. Um, had kind of thought about selling it, but wasn't, uh, wasn't too sure if I wanted to sell it until um, a couple of years ago. 
so that site know. that site was it uh like mostly fantasy stuff because this is pre-dfs like you're talking yeah. like eight years ago this is so you were in way before like big capital started to come to this industry like you had you probably had a very sick email list when dfs first started yeah so i was um yeah i've been in it for a while it was way before dfs got big um i kind of made the mistake of ignoring dfs at the time too because i had a i had someone um kind of like a friend online wasn't really a friend but someone i knew online um who was doing the same stuff as me and he got into the daily fantasy sports right away and ended up growing a pretty big um affiliate site for daily fantasy so I could have got back or I could have got into it back in like 2014, 2015 when it started. I think that's when uh, Roto Grinders might have set up their website and that kind of stuff. Um, so I kind of made the mistake of ignoring it. Just didn't think it would grow as big as kind of sports betting is. And um, it's probably not that big, but it's definitely a really big business now, obviously, and a lot of opportunity there. Um, so I kind of made the mistake of waiting a little too long. Um, but I did get in, I think in 2000, might have been 15 or 16 started promoting um, some fantasy stuff because I kind of fell in love with it myself. Right. Uh, so I got into that. Yeah, I already had a pretty big uh, YouTube following. I had a pretty big, I had a decent, I think I had an okay Twitter following. I kind of forget. Um, but I had a big email list and then I had the website that was uh, bringing in visitors every day. So I had a, I had a head start there and then um, kind of switched. My passion kind of switched from sports betting more into DFS um, a couple years ago. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's a, like a, a very good example of success in this industry does come with being fluid and chasing kind of where the money goes. And so I, I guess was most of your decision to change from the betting to DFS based on like your personal enjoyment or based on where you saw the traffic going? Um, it was a little bit more personal, I think. Um, I was still doing sports betting stuff, but I kind of had I hired writers to talk about the sports betting stuff and yeah. my content was pretty much um, just doing a couple art. I think I did a couple articles on sports geek, but mostly the YouTube stuff for, for DFS. So my focus personally was uh, DFS. And then I also kind of ran that sports betting stuff in the background. And that was up until uh, I believe it was like two Aprils ago. So about two years, two and a half years now um, sold the sports geek, but ended up keeping my YouTube channel and my email list. So I still had, um, and then I, over that time, I grew up my Twitter, grew out my Twitter following as well. So I sold the website, stopped making any affiliate money off that site, um, lost all revenue from that pretty much. But I had my YouTube channel, Twitter and email list to still do the DFS stuff. Yeah. So uh, another big thing I wanted to talk to you about was YouTube. Cause it, it's like, that's an, that's an area of content. That's like super interesting to me. Like I consume a lot of YouTube content, but in like specifically the daily fantasy space, I actually feel like YouTube is pretty underexploited. Like I watch a lot of like, uh, like video game type stuff and like, like, like a lot of soccer content is on YouTube. So yeah. why do you think that DFS is like kind of an underexploited medium for YouTube? Do you think it just doesn't translate very well? Um, I think pretty much everything is kind of underutilized on uh, YouTube. Like you can still yeah. make money in pretty much any, any vertical or wherever, whatever your business is based around, you can probably still make money on YouTube. There's just so many people um, watching YouTube on their phones. Now we've got the smart TVs with YouTube. Um, so YouTube's kind of blowing up and um, people kind of, they're hesitant to get into it um, for a couple reasons. Sometimes they're just not comfortable making videos. Uh, sometimes, a lot of times people think it's too competitive, which is um, completely false. Like you can make money um, with a pretty small following as long as you have some loyal fans, loyal subscribers. So 
um, yeah, definitely. Um, I think there's still room to grow in DFS and, um, yeah, I don't really know why people aren't kind of diving into it more. I would say that a lot of, a lot of the time it's, um, people not wanting to make videos is kind of holding them back. That's, that's really interesting that you say you still believe that there's room for growth in YouTube, because I think of it as like a, a pretty saturated market, but I guess maybe I don't have an idea of how the financials kind of behind the scenes works. Like I would assume a YouTube channel is, I mean, it's a lot of work, like editing videos, getting thumbnails made, like a lot of that stuff is, is pretty difficult. So I, I find it personally very interesting that you say you still think there's room for growth there. For sure. Yeah. I think there's lots of room for growth in pretty much, pretty much every market and um, viewers are going to be finding other channels too. So if you want to get in, for example, we're, I'm kind of in like the fitness space. There's millions of fitness uh, YouTubers out there, but those viewers are looking for more content as well. So I think there's always uh, room to grow, especially over the next couple of years. I mean, that's definitely a key. People are definitely always looking for more content. And I guess what, what YouTube offers that like Hulu and Netflix, like the major streaming sites is like YouTube content is a niche inside of a niche inside of a niche. I had a, a FIFA YouTuber by the name of Mike LaBelle on this podcast, like maybe like two months ago. And a conversation we had was like, all of this cable cutting is really moving a lot of money towards, towards YouTube and, and like Twitch streaming because people want content that applies to like their specific interest. Like maybe, maybe there's only 50,000 people in the world who really, really like this one super small area of this small thing. And YouTube allows you to generate content for like that super specific niche audience. For sure. Yeah. And you can make money if you have like a thousand subscribers, you could make money as long as they're loyal to you and they, they like your content and that kind of stuff. So yeah, you can get really niche down into specific stuff. Like uh, what I'm doing right now is a hockey training website. Um, we've got 25,000 YouTube subscribers and um, our revenue comes from our website and from podcasts and other stuff as well. But if we cut all of that out and just focused on YouTube, I think that we could both, uh, there's two of us, me and my business partner, I think we could both make a pretty good living off just 25,000 subscribers. So yeah, like you said, there's, um, there's room to grow and you don't need that big of a following to make money. Um, so just do you think that I'll, you, go ahead. Sorry. One thing I want to point out is that we're not making money from the AdSense, from like the, the Google advertising. Right. A lot of people, a lot of people think when they think of, uh, making money off YouTube, they think just the ads, but I'm talking more about selling a product or selling a service through your YouTube channel. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would have been one of those people that assumed a lot of the money came from, from like ad dollars, from clicks and stuff. But you're saying the, the, the better money to be made is when you have like an actual product or like a, like a link click throughs that you have for the rev share. Yeah. So either selling your own products or doing the affiliate deals, um, promoting other people's products for a kickback. Okay. Yeah. And so, so give me an example of what someone, like, I think a lot of people who listen to this show could probably, if they worked hard for maybe six months, generate a thousand YouTube subscribers. So what in terms of like ROI would someone be able to expect from like, you know, a good, relatively loyal, relatively consistent 1000 YouTube subscribers? I would say that you should be aiming for about a dollar a subscriber um, per month. Okay. That's just kind of a rough number throwing that out there, but, um, it can obviously be a lot higher. It could be a lot lower, but I think if you aim, if you have a thousand subscribers, you should be able to make a thousand bucks off YouTube. Um, it's definitely going to take time. You're going to have to build trust. You're going to have to give, 
give away a lot of value, but I think, um, yeah, if you have a thousand loyal followers, wherever it is, YouTube, Twitter, email list, um, you should probably be trying to make at least a dollar per subscriber per follower. Well, I think you shared an article, you and Bales both, I think shared the 1000 true fans article that was kind of, that kind of made the rounds about a month ago. And that, that really got me thinking. And after reading that article, I started a Patreon for this podcast, just trying to, because I think, well, I think that enough people who listen to this podcast probably qualify as like true fans, but Mm -hmm. I hadn't, I had not really done any steps to monetize and Patreon was kind of the first idea, but maybe, maybe the efforts would be better spent on YouTube. And, and actually what I wanted to ask you about was streaming because I feel like YouTube and, and, you know, Twitch are kind of connected. And so which one do you think kind of is better now and has the potential to be better five years from now? It's tough to say, I don't have too much experience with Twitch. Um, but I have heard some good things about it, especially in the, well, video game. I think Twitch is big for the video game market. Definitely, yeah. And then um, DFS, I've, I've heard that it's growing, but um, I can't talk too much about Twitch. I know YouTube's definitely a big thing. Um, streaming all kind of depends on your uh, whatever niche you're in. So I think DFS, I think live streaming um, definitely works for DFS. For things like video games, it's big, um, but it all depends on um, kind of your market. So for us, we've got our hockey training. So it's basically like hockey workouts. We've got that channel going and it doesn't really make sense for us to stream. Stream, yeah. Just, we do, we do like produce content, edit it and post it up. And our business model, my business model in the past with sports geek as well has just been, um, put out videos that people are searching for. So if someone's going to search, um, DFS NFL picks, then I would put out a video on that. Or if someone's going to search DFS NFL strategy, I'll put out a video on that. And I guess you could do the same thing for DFS with uh, live streaming. You right, can do a, yeah. Like a weekly stream for DFS picks each week or whatever, but it kind of depends what niche you're in. So I guess, I mean, a, a big takeaway from that would be instead of trying to have like really good SEO and trying to find a way to get the product you are already making out there is to find where there is a gap of a product or of a want and, and create the content to fill in for that gap, basically. Yeah. And I think if there is competitors out there in the same space, I think you can compete. Um, people are going to find your videos, but yeah, anything, um, whatever your, whatever niche you're in, it's gotta be something, um, people have to be searching things around that. So for, to use my example, again, it's hockey training. So kids that are playing hockey want to learn about how to skate faster, um, how to become a better hockey player, how to get in better shape for hockey, all these kinds of things. So we have all these videos that we can create around that. Um, if it was, DFS, same kind of thing. You just got to find, um, find a niche, pretty much every niche. There's going to be people searching for things related to that problem or related to, um, what they're trying to figure out or what, what they want, the entertainment value they want for the DFS picks or whatever it is. It's, I mean, it's, it's very true. And people definitely turn to YouTube and to like Google searches now before they would ever turn to a book. Like I got, I got really into golf when I graduated college and I wanted to know like, not only like oh, you know, what kind of club should I get? Different types of like, but also like golf workouts, like something you mentioned, like specific, like golf fitness. And like all of that content is out there now. Like if, if there is something in your life that you find interesting, you can get on YouTube and like it's, it's there exactly what you need. Yeah, exactly. So the number one and number two search engines in North America are both owned by Google, Google and YouTube. So 
you can build a business just based around what people are searching for and just ranking your content uh, within Google and YouTube. That's kind of why, uh, that's kind of where my focus has always been. I do um, other things like podcasts and Instagram, but these are um, more kind of platforms for when you're already built up a little bit. Because if you're, if you're new, if you're starting out, um, you need people to find you. So they find you through these search platforms like YouTube and like Google. Yeah. And I mean, I, th I think this is information that is sort of new to me. The idea that like, not like I, obviously I started a podcast and like most of my, I think most of my Twitter following has probably found me through like various podcasts that I've been on or whatever. Whereas I mean, yeah, the, I, like YouTube is owned by Google and I, it makes total sense that traffic would be driven through there. And it's, it's never been something that I've integrated and it kind of, it makes me feel like not a very good entrepreneur to not have ever like captured that. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people miss that. They kind of think, um, they're kind of following trends. I mean, you can make a good living just, just starting a podcast or just starting an Instagram account and try to be a influencer on Instagram. But, um, I think the easiest, especially when you're starting out is just to figure out where people are searching for the problem that you're going to solve for them. So if it's DFS, if you're giving out DFS picks, um, for example, people are going to be searching for that on YouTube and through Google. So um, that's one of the, the, those are two of the biggest things that you need to be focusing on. Um, obviously things like Twitter and podcasts are big as well for the DFS industry, but um, whatever niche you're in, you just got to figure out what people are searching for and try to try to get in front of that market. Um, something else you mentioned right at the right at the beginning was the idea of of you know reinvesting your money, kind of taking your profits from one area and leaping to another. And I think that would be scary for a lot of people who are self-employed or who you know kind of upon themselves are a brand. And uh, I mean, I guess the the question there would be, what would you advise someone to do if they were if they decided that they're like, what if someone right now was like, you know what, sports betting is going to be it four years from now, sports betting content is going to just be unreal. So what, what steps would you advise someone to take? Who's like, this is the opportunity in terms of like reinvesting, whether it be actual investments or whether, you know, they have a successful DFS business or maybe even like season long fantasy, like kind of what steps would you suggest someone to take? Uh, yeah, it's a tough question depending on where you're coming from. But if someone was, um, maybe someone's working like a nine to five job and they're kind of doing the sports betting stuff on the side. Um, what I would do is try to build up a following in that niche. So if we're talking sports betting, I would start up, um, either start up my own website or definitely a YouTube channel, possibly your own website as well. And, um, start reinvesting, start taking some money from the job that you currently have, start investing it into things that are going to grow your YouTube channel and your, um, your website. If you have a website, and from there, I would just keep putting in a little bit of money each month. Um, and I wouldn't, a lot of people like to quit their job and try to jump in uh, head first, but I, I would continue to work my job until I was making a good enough um, income online before diving fully into it. But um, as far as if you want to know what to actually invest in um, for money, I mean, for building up, I would do SEO. If you're building a website, I would invest a lot in SEO. Um, wouldn't really do much as far as like, Facebook ads or anything like that until you have um, some income coming in. Um, I would invest in SEO. If you're doing video, I would, um, if you're not good at video, if you're not good at editing and all that stuff, maybe invest in a, like a video editor to help you out, help you save time. Um, I hope that kind of answers your question. 
It, yeah, it definitely does. And I mean, uh, something I'm actually also very interested in, and I think you're, you're friends with, uh, with Peter Jennings, uh, Rami. Sure, and something, yeah. something that um, I've, I've always admired about him is he's actually like a very good like money investor. Like Pete has kind of made money on all of the waves, like cryptocurrency, like a lot of things. And, and not, that, not that this is necessarily, you know, goes hand in hand with owning a business, but I've wondered your success or even interest in like actual financial investing, because I, I found a lot of people in our space are very either good at that or at least very interested in it. Yeah. So I've done a pretty good job. I've been lucky to make some uh, decent money starting when I was younger, 19, 20, 21. So I started setting aside money into um, retirement funds and that kind of stuff, which I think is really important. Um, especially for your, the younger listeners, if you've got some 19, 20, 21 year old listeners, they they're, aren't they're really out thinking, there for sure. Yeah, for sure. And they're not really thinking about um, retirement funds, but just getting in the habit of setting aside, it could be 50 bucks a month or whatever it is. Just get in the habit of that. I think that's big. Um, index funds is where you probably want to start, or you could start throwing in some bigger stocks. I like to um, invest in stocks like Google, Amazon, Facebook. Um, I'm really big on Shopify. If you follow me on Twitter, you probably see me tweet about Shopify a million times. So I'm, I'm big in investing. Um, I don't follow it too much. I don't really get into it too much, but I'm big in um, setting aside money. And then I just personally, I just invest in companies that I love. So yeah. Google, Facebook, you, uh, Facebook, not as much anymore, but um, Google, YouTube, or sorry, Google and YouTube are combined. Um, Google, Shopify, Amazon, those ones are big ones. Microsoft is another big one. Um, a couple other ones that I can't remember right now, but I've got just money set aside in the stocks that I, um, basically companies that I, that I use personally and love. So that's, that's about my extent of my, uh, stock trading. I mean it, and you don't have to be a pro trader, you know, to make money off of the stock market. But I think I've just found that a lot of people in like the sports betting DFS, like sort of this just kind of community tend to because a lot of us are self-employed or like owners of like I have like my own LLC so like I just have tend to found that a lot of people like that are just good at finding ways to exploit edges that exist in the world to make money that like a lot of people that just work a nine to five they don't I found that people that work nine to fives do not think of their their time as money near as often. So they don't value their money in the same way. But people like like you have like when I scheduled this podcast with you, you like you have an app basically that blocks off your time and lets people yeah. know when you're available. Like clearly you have a very good conception that your time equals money. So I think that people who think like that are likely to do something with their money rather than letting it sit. Yeah, I think I think like entrepreneurs or anyone who making money from um, basically for themselves, they we kind of have to protect our money and think about how we can make it grow. So I think that's kind of a big a big reason why. And I think entrepreneurs are maybe a little more smart with their money as far as investing. Um, just from what I've seen, anyways, that we just like to see our money grow. So yeah, definitely putting money into stocks and then just holding holding those stocks long term. That's probably the best strategy. Yeah. And I mean, I like to, I like to think of myself as an entrepreneur, but I think that there's like, there's sort of a, a new wave version of that for, for people who are my age, who like, I've got some money put away, but a lot of what I'm trying to do with my money and my time is generate more money. And so like, I, I just think that like when I had Bales on this podcast, he kind of talked about, you know, just trying to find ways to exploit edges in everyday life. And I kind of get the sense that that's something that, that you do as well. Like 
I'm sure that this hockey thing didn't come out of nowhere. Like you saw an edge in that at some point, right? For sure. Yeah. I think that's pretty much what, um, being an entrepreneur is to me. It's kind of like a game. I bring it back to online poker. I used to love poker just because just the game aspect and trying to win. I feel like being an entrepreneur is kind of the same thing. You're always looking for that new way to make money or that new way to grow a business, help people at the same time. So I think it all, it all kind of ties in together. We're just trying to make, um, make money and, grow our businesses it's kind of like a game i don't know no it, it it definitely is a game and and i like something i love about um something i love right now about running this patreon is just seeing like i see i've kind of see instantaneous results in terms of like i do these podcasts for showdowns and like the on DraftKings, and like right. if i have like one really good like the one the other night was i i suggested to have Cordell patterson in the captain when he and he had that red zone rushing TD, and right. it was like like right after that happened, like I got like five new subscribers because people like tweeted about it, and I just like it's it is totally a game, and there's like even like a reward system set in place, sure. except instead of like fake internet currency, like it's <laughs> it's money in your bank account. Yeah, yeah, I think the biggest thing is providing value for people, and if you do that, eventually you're gonna get paid. Yeah, or 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 generating like a a really good relationship with people i've seen i've seen both work for content creators like some content creators are not nearly as good at creating a community but their content is just like super valuable like they're just very good at creating value in their in their people's lives and other people are just good at like talking and being likable and people enjoy hearing their podcasts or watching their youtube videos and that can be a really profitable channel as well for sure yeah yeah you're kind of providing value that way just helping them just enjoy life more, right? You're kind of entertaining them basically. That's, so. I mean, that's value for sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I also wanted to kind of ask you a little bit about your podcast and uh, in the sense of what mindset someone would want to have to, to cr- begin creating their own freedom. Like I, uh, you know, most people who listen to our work probably do work nine to fives or, or, you know, an equivalent. So what would be, you know, baby steps from, from leaving the rat race to becoming self-employed? Yeah, it's a huge topic, but um, I think it all comes down to basically Yeah, no, no pressure on the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I could, yeah, I could probably write a book about it, but um, I think it all comes down to providing value for people in some way. And um, I did an episode on this. I think right now the easiest way to do that, so if you want to start kind of like a side hustle or whatever it is, um, the easiest way right now I think is through you, YouTube and Google, uh, just the searches. If you can provide value, people are searching for a problem and you're going to solve it. Um, it. It could be a podcast. It could be Instagram as well. As long as you're providing value, getting people to like you, um, sharing stuff with them, that's going to help their life. I think that's basically, um, I think that's basically what everything evolves around is uh, creating value in other people's lives and then finding a way to make money down the road. I wouldn't try to try to make money right away. I would build up a following. Like you're going to make, you're going to try to make a little bit of money here and there, but I think it's going to take about a year or two um, minimum right now. If you're starting out, it's going to be tough to make money for about at least a year. Even back when I was starting, um, it was a little easier, but it still took time. Um, You just got to put in the work, um, provide value for others, and then um, ask for money down the road, basically. Yeah, I, I think, and and I mean, also from what I understand, like the number one most important thing is an email list right? Like that's like, is that kind yeah. of like the thing or, or is of, that not true anymore? No, it's kind of getting outdated a little bit. Um, people aren't checking their emails. The emails are getting sent to spam. 
Hmm. Uh, but it is very important because you want to you want to be able to get in touch with uh, your people whenever you want, basically. So um, email is big. There's a new thing, uh, messenger marketing. So it's through Facebook. You can actually set up. It's basically an email list through messenger, um, the Facebook app. So a lot of people have that messenger app. So you can just message them whenever you want through messenger. Um, it's actually, it's not too hard to set up. It's a little confusing when you start out, but it's basically an email list for Facebook messenger. It's pretty cool. Um, but I think even just having a YouTube subscriber base is basically the same as having an email list. Cause these are people that, um, are checking their subscriptions. They're checking your channel out and it's ways to get in front of them. So I would look at, um, YouTube subscriber list, podcast listeners and subscribers the same way that I would look at email lists right now. Cause I think more people are just as many people are checking like podcasts and YouTube and Instagram daily than they are checking their emails. I mean, a lot of what is out there in terms of like business advice, like websites that exist to provide entrepreneurial tips and stuff. Like I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I, I do find a lot of that stuff. Cause I, I've just, I'm really fascinated with this stuff right now, which is why I wanted to have you on the show. And a lot of it is kind of outdated and based on you build your email list for a year then you start asking for people to pay for a product. And I do kind of think that model is not nearly as good with like how Uber connected people are right now. Like email in email is kind of like a text message. Like unless you have to respond to it, it, it you, you kind of just delete it. For sure. Yeah. I, I ignore a ton of my emails. Um, I know a lot of people out there are the same, but then you go to Instagram and you spend like two hours a day looking through the stories, looking through your feed or whatever it is, listening to podcasts all day. So I think, Basically, the new email lists are things like um, your YouTube following, your podcast following, your Instagram following, I don't know, Snapchat for younger kids, whatever it is. Um, I know people that have made successful businesses just through Instagram. Um, they sell stuff through their stories. They sell stuff through direct messages. Um, so just basically any way you can get in front of people whenever you want. And that's um, pretty much all social media now. So I think email is a little outdated and... Um, it's kind of, yeah, it's dying because a lot of emails are going to spam. A lot of people are getting hundreds of emails a day and a lot of people are stopping uh, checking their email daily. So. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a pretty impressionable person. Like I buy stuff from ads online. Like I'm, I'm just as guilty of it as like someone who doesn't know about internet marketing and advertising and stuff. Like I buy stuff from Instagram ads. Sure. No, no shame in that. I cannot remember the last time I purchased something based off of an email though. Yeah, exactly. So I think the, the um, one takeaway for this uh, podcast, especially for people starting out, is just providing people value um, upfront and then asking for money. So it just kind of got me thinking about um, something I bought off Instagram recently. The guy was basically teaching through Instagram stories. He was teaching me something that I didn't know and it would help my business. And he taught me something. And right away, I was like, oh man, I didn't know this. Like, this is pretty cool. And then at the very end of his story, he said, if you want to learn more about this, if you want more advanced tips or whatever, um, swipe up to buy this. And I went ahead and bought it because he taught me something I learned from him. And it's kind of like you want to just um, pay the guy for what he's already done for you. Plus, he's going to be giving you more tips. So yeah, just provide value up front. Um, if it's YouTube, if it's podcast, same thing. Provide an entertaining podcast, provide an entertaining video, provide some content, and then ask for money later and people will, people will buy from you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's very good advice. You know, just kind of get, get people hooked before you try and get their credit card numbers. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, to, to end here, something I, I wanted to ask you, and, and maybe this will be an interesting conversation and, and maybe it won't, but I found that most people who work in advertising and marketing tend to make very good insights into how people work now, just because it, it's all about finding what drives people and what gets them to open their mind and, and to think. So I was wondering, you know, what are, what are some observations on just the state of people that you have maybe seen change in the last five, 10 years have you, as you've been involved in this world? Yeah, I don't know if it's because I've gotten older and just kind of realized it a bit more, but I feel like, um, or maybe it's just because people are, people are on Instagram a little more and um, sharing their lives in front of social media and all that. But I feel like a lot of people are out there looking for kind of for approval. Um, I guess status has always been, it's always been around. People want to be um, perceived as kind of higher status. They want to make more money, drive a better car, have a bigger house. Um, it's not for like internal reasons. It's kind of more to um, look better in front of other people. So that's kind of one thing you always want to be thinking about with when creating products and when doing your advertising and that kind of stuff is how can you help people? Um, so for example, like fat loss and that kind of stuff, people aren't really doing like people aren't trying to get abs so that they feel better and they're healthier and they live longer. It's more for so other people look at them and think um, like if it's whatever, if right. It's a dude, if it's a dude trying to, maybe it's a younger dude trying to pick up a chick or whatever. So it's kind of for approval of other people. Um, to tie that in with kind of like DFS, it's kind of, I guess everyone's out there trying to look, or everyone who's in the DFS world, most people are trying to make money. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of tied in with status a little bit. I think for DFS, it's mostly about money, um, maybe a little bit of approval, but yeah, more about making money. So I think the big things are uh, that drive people, money, approval, status, um, those things are things you need to be thinking about with your advertising and um, when just creating businesses in general. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think a, a big thing in DFS is like a big thing that drives subscribers in DFS is like screenshots, right? Like being able to be like, look at, look at this, look at this six figure payday that I just had, which is just like Instagram, but on like a larger, you know, more monetary level, like instead of on Instagram, you subtly imply that you're doing something that costs a lot of money. Whereas on Twitter, you can just be like, look at all of this money. So I, I think you're there. spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and I think people kind of follow, like if someone posts that they want a hundred thousand dollars or whatever, um, and they post that, I think the, the people who see that post, they're kind of, they're not thinking like, oh, that guy's, that guy's the man I want to follow him. They're thinking, oh, this guy can maybe help me make that much money or whatever. So that's kind right. of, people are always thinking about themselves. And like when you're, well, yeah, when you have a product or a service, you always want to be telling people the benefits that they're going to see, not trying to promote yourself as much as you are trying to um, relay to them, like how you're going to help them or how you're going to make their life better. Yeah. This was a, this was a very good podcast. I think, I think the people will like, will like to hear these tips. If they, if they want to hear more of this, tell them, uh, tell them about your podcast, where they can find it, where they can consume all of your work. Cool. Yes. Yeah, so we got a website, createfreedom.com. Uh, if you search create freedom in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, you should be able to find it. I'm also on uh, Twitter at, at Kevin sports geek. Beautiful. Kevin, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. I, I had, uh, uh an enlightening conversation. I, I feel like I learned something. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for having me on.